O Lord, you are our Father. You are the potter, and we are the clay. Mold us and fashion us, we pray, into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, that our thoughts, our words, and our deeds would be pleasing in his sight. For his name's sake we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is the start of a new year. It is the beginning of another Advent season. And first and foremost, we say Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for being here to celebrate and to participate in what we affectionately call our Purple Party. You know what the purple color is, right? It's a color of royalty, the coming of the king. It's also a color of penitence as we call to mind our own sin and seek to be reconciled to God. And while a new liturgical year also means that Jesus has not yet come back, it also means that his return and his reign is closer than it ever has been. That's a reality that we need to take hold of, especially in this season when we continue to struggle with so many trials in our lives and in our world. What better thing do we have to celebrate than the coming of the King and his kingdom. That's what we're doing at Advent. So to encourage us, I'd like to present us, to offer to us another sermon series. You can see the topics on the screen behind me, ideas that I hope will help us increase our devotion to Jesus. This morning I'll be talking about the power of God, then we'll talk about the praise of God, the presence of God, I think in reverse order, the presence, then the praise, and then the people of God. And there's a little bit of a nuance that I want to mention, because over the next two Sundays, a couple of our clergy candidates will be coming in and visiting with us and preaching to us. So the next two sermons will not be given by me, but they will be given by men who God might be calling to be the, the next assistant priest here at Christ the Redeemer. So this is a season of great anticipation. This is also a season of deep discernment and prayer that I invite you all to join in with me in doing as I'm sure that you already are. So with that said, let us now turn our attention to the power of God, the power of God. And let me invite us to think about the power of God by asking us a question. How much time have you spent thinking about a duck? How much time have you spent thinking about a duck? You know, that silly looking two-legged little creature that waddles when it walks that has orange webbed feet, a rounded bill, and it quacks when it talks. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever noticed how in one minute that silly little creature can just be sitting there on top of the water? And then in the next moment, it can flap its wings with a fury, and suddenly it's hundreds of feet up in the air, looking down even on the hilltops and on the treetops and even looking down on us. Have you ever considered how underneath that water on top of which that little duck is able to sit, there is an entire world of plants and animals that don't even know that we exist? Furthermore, that underwater world doesn't need us at all to maintain itself, not one bit. 
And have you ever thought about how far above the sky in which that silly looking duck is able to fly is a whole universe of planets and moons and suns and stars and comets and solar systems and galaxies? And these two neither need us or know us for their existence or their sustainment. And you have, you, have you ever thought about how over and above and in and among and through all of these things, there is a majestic, magnificent, transcendent and imminent God who has made it all happen. Every bit of it using absolutely nothing except his own divine power. Remember the words from Genesis chapter 1. God said, God said, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so on and so forth. Until everything visible to us and yet invisible to us was created simply by the power of his word spoken. So if we were to stop right there, we could literally spend the rest of our lives just contemplating the power of God to create. And my friends, I want to suggest to you that when we do that, there's actually healing that happens when we take a step back from the hustle and bustle of these things and this life, and we find time and space to just sit there and enjoy the beauty of what God has made. It heals us. It heals our minds. It heals our souls to reflect, to contemplate. I was sitting in my backyard just the other day, and before I had even given it a thought, there were five different kinds of animals that I had noticed traipsing across the yard and flying among the branches. There's healing when we take time to do that. And yet we press on because there's even more about the power of God. There's more to the story. After all, you and I, were not quite like a duck, are we? I bet we could quack like a duck if we tried. Anybody? A little too embarrassing on a Sunday morning to start quacking like a duck? We could. Your dad's on it, isn't he? There are indeed things a duck can do that we can't do, but there are things that we can do that a duck can't do, right? We need a boat to sit on the water. We need a plane to fly in the air. A duck doesn't need those things. But a duck can't create a boat and a plane, can it? A duck has never designed a computer or built a skyscraper or started a, bat, a, a business. A duck has never thrown a touchdown pass, maybe in an Aflac commercial. A duck has never shot a jump shot. We can do things that a duck can't do. Principally, we can think and we can reason. And that's what makes us different than animals that's why, as Genesis 1 also says, we are made in the likeness and image of God. But then again, no duck has ever fallen from the grace of God. That's something we did. We fell from the grace of God. Listen again to these powerful words from the prophet Isaiah this morning. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? 
Isaiah says, we have all become unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment before you. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. And then I love this part. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So be not terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not our iniquity forever. Look upon us, we pray, for we are your people. I have to say, wow, what a prayer. And I have to ask the question, have you ever prayed a prayer like that in your life? Asking God to come down to mold you, to shape you, to form you, to fashion you. My friends, I think we know this. There's a reason that so many people keep God at such a distance. And it's called fear. And the reason that people live in fear is because they've done something wrong and they know it. And because they've done something wrong, they're afraid of God coming close to them. They're afraid of that. They're afraid of what God might do to them. They're afraid that if God were to actually come down, it wouldn't work out so well for them. And we have to wonder if anyone is in that kind of place this morning. Maybe you have been keeping God away because you're afraid of him. I do that sometimes. Afraid of what it might look like if we actually opened up and let God into our lives. So may I take just a moment to tell you what he will do. If we pray that risky prayer that Isaiah prayed, listen again and let's let it sink in. That transcendent God, Isaiah says, is our Father. He calls God Father. That God who made the universe above the sky and the universe beneath the ocean, so to speak. The same God who made the duck also made you and me. And Isaiah calls him Father. And then he says, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. My point is, my friends, is that if we will just let us Jesus in, he will mold us and he will shape us. He will take what we think is a lump of clay and he will turn it into something beautiful. You are the potter and we are the clay. That, my friends, is the power of God to redeem. What is it that God has been wanting to heal in your life? I think we all know the good news from John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all who believe in him should not perish. But have we ever heard the good news of John 3.17? Do you know it? For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And my friends, I think That's the kind of news that our world desperately needs to hear right now. That God came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Do you know what this world would look like if we really got a hold of that truth? We kind of don't. 
do we? Because a lot of this world hasn't gotten a hold of that truth, and that's the point. If we actually believed that God does not want to condemn us, but that he wants us to set us free from guilt and shame and fear and condemnation, I think an explosion of joy would break out all over the world. And we would find ourselves living in freedom and the fullness of love and the depth of relationship that God intended for us in the beginning. I was struck by a passage in John's gospel. Sir, they said to the apostle Philip, show us Jesus. Show us Jesus. And as God has the power to create and as God has the power to redeem, God also has a third power that I want to lay before us this morning. And this may be the most incredible thing of all. God actually has the power to give us his own power. Think of that. That when we become filled with the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we also receive the same power of the Holy Spirit to bear witness to the goodness, the grace, and the glory of Jesus Christ around the world. Listen to these words. These are identity words written by the Apostle Paul in the second letter to the Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writes this. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. Now, it is reasonable enough for us to think of ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior, and we should never lose sight of that because we are. But have we ever thought of ourselves as saints on a mission for Jesus Christ? Have you ever thought of yourself as an ambassador for Jesus? And my point is this, when we become baptized believers in Jesus Christ, we are no longer citizens of this broken and fallen world. Our citizenship, as Paul says, is transferred into the kingdom of heaven. We're no longer looking up at God. In other words, we are looking out and into this world through the lens and the cross of Jesus Christ and seeing what is broken and needs to be made beautiful. What is hurt and needs healing? Where is it that the word of God needs to be spoken in this world into somebody's life? Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And who are you? You are an ambassador. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And it's even bigger than that. Paul doesn't just say that we are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. He finishes that sentence in this way. He says, God making his appeal through you. Think of that. You and I are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And now we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And this is the point. Anytime and every time you share the good news of the gospel with another person. It is as though God is speaking through you because he is calling that person to himself. Think of that. That is the statement of identity that Paul's talking about when he says you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. That you have the very presence and person and power of God and when you open your mouth and talk about Jesus Christ, God is speaking through you to draw that person to himself. Remember the duck? I spent a good part of my childhood with a couple of ducks in my backyard. 
And if there's one thing that I learned to love most of all about having a duck in my life, it was this. My duck took no shame in letting everybody know that he was around. If my duck wanted to let me know that he was there, he would lift up his head, straighten his neck, stick out his chest, and he would start walking around quacking like he was the king of England until somebody paid attention to him. And I wonder if we Christians can learn anything from that example. Maybe in this world, we can stand up a little bit straighter. Maybe in this world, we can walk around with a little more confidence, knowing that what we have in us is good news, right? It's news, that means something has actually happened, and it's good because Jesus has come into the world not to condemn us, but that the world might be saved through us. If you'll indulge me for just a couple of more minutes, my friends, I want to speak to you now not as a preacher preaching to a congregation, but a pastor talking to his flock from things that are in my heart that God's been speaking to me recently. You see, I think it's no mere coincidence that several new families have joined CTR during COVID. Think about what that means for a minute. I think it means that God is showing us something a sign of who he wants us to be, a symbol of what he wants us to do here in our parish. I think God is showing us so that he can prepare us. I think this is a season of preparation for us here at Christ the Redeemer, just as we're in a season of preparation in Advent. I think we are a bigger, in a bigger season of preparation here at Christ the Redeemer. Let me say a little bit about what I mean by that. It's been a very rough year for all of us. Very rough year. 2020 is not at all what we expected it to look like. We have all spent a season reeling from the punches, and it has been hard to maintain our equilibrium and our bearings. But I want to say this. I believe that that remodeling project that we took on in faith is a sign of what God wants to do. And I believe that the people who have joined Christ the Redeemer and those who are hanging around with us right now is a sign of what God wants to do. And what I'm saying is this, God actually wants us to keep our focus on becoming a city on a hill and a light to the nations. God wants us, listen to me closely when I say this because this is the centerpiece of it all, God wants us to be disciples who make disciples. That's what God is after. That's what in, up, and out is all about. Bringing people into our family, raising them up in Christ, sending them out with us in mission and ministry to conquer for Christ because that's what Paul also says, isn't it? You are more than conquerors. We are ambassadors and we are conquerors. So I'd like to give us a task, if you're willing, because I really believe that this is what God wants to do in us. It's now the new liturgical year, and I'd like us to make a spiritual New Year's resolution, if you're willing to join me. And it goes something like this. We have 56 days from now until our annual meeting. 56 days. 
And I'm asking us to begin right now, today, even this evening when you go home, and I'm asking us to take 15 minutes each and every day for the next 56 days until the annual meeting when I bring all of these things together and cast the vision for the congregation and put all the details underneath the things that I'm saying now. 56 days, 15 minutes a day with your Bible, maybe your devotional. You might want a pen. Bring your iPad if you need to research some words. But here's what I'm asking us to do. Two things. Two. Meditate and contemplate. For 15 minutes a day, I'm asking you to find some sacred space somewhere without any distraction, and I'm asking you to meditate on the power of God. What is it that God actually wants to do in this world? You'll need your Bible because you'll want to look up the power of God. And last Tuesday, I was praying with our intercessors, and we were talking about the power of God, and I want to share with you some of the things that they said that they know that God has the power to do. Think about this. God has the power to bind and he has the power to loose. God has the power to build up and he has the power to tear down. God has the power to give and he has the power to take away. God has the power to take on our flesh and become like us in every way, yet without sin that we might find in him a merciful savior. What is the power of God and how does he want to exercise it in this world? That's the first part of our 15 minutes. And the second part is to contemplate. Knowing that God has this power and knowing the things that the Apostle Paul himself has declared over us, that you are an ambassador, that you are more than a conqueror, the second question is this. How does God want to use me to manifest his power in this world? How does God want to use me to manifest his power in this world? Meditate on the power of God and contemplate how God wants to use you how God wants to use me, how God wants to use us. These are the things that I believe that God is doing right now at Christ the Redeemer. He wants us to be disciples that we might make disciples. So to him be the glory now and forever. Amen.